0: Our
1: get and our
0: All right, guys, welcome back to another episode of the Outlaw Country podcast. Today, we are lucky enough to be joined today by Corey Cross. So, Corey, thank you so much for joining us.
2: Yeah, thank you for having me.
0: So, one thing I wanted to start off with was... Uh, I came across your music very recently. Uh, I mean, I, I actually have seen you on my For You page a few times on uh, TikTok. I mean, you make a lot of viral ones. Um, but the yeah. first one I really saw like uh, your music was uh, you playing your song Done Being Good. And yeah, it, my, my brother sent it to me and I saw it late at night. I was like, that sounds like an old school traditional song. And it got me very interested in your music. And so I kind of yeah. want to know, is that going to be like a lead single or anything for an album of yours coming out? Yeah,
2: that song comes out um, next week, actually, on April 7th. Oh, OK,
0: and, oh,
1: nice. yeah,
2: yeah, it's the first single off of uh, an, a four song EP that we're putting out um, June 23rd. So okay. Done Being Good will come out uh, yeah on, on April 7th. Then the second single will come out um, May 12th. And then uh, the uh, the whole EP comes out June twenty third, and it's a it's a live. So we did it live in the studio, which you know. Speaking of like outlaw music, you know Waylon, he did a few albums like that. Willie did a bunch of those albums. So it's it's live. It's recorded live, but it's still in the studio. So it's not it's not at a show, but you know we're not recording each part and layering it the typical way that you would record a, a studio album. Um,
0: when, so yeah. when you say that's live like that. Is it also like, do you do multiple takes or is that just, are you doing one take and just getting the raw? Yeah.
2: So we, uh, we did, I mean, we, we did a few takes for each song. I, there's one track on there that we, um, that we, uh, it's a song called I can't walk the line, which I had released the studio version of it a few, uh, like a year or two ago, maybe even three years ago. But uh, we wanted to do a live version of that song um, yeah, so it's a little different. It's like longer. There's some extra solos and it's way faster. Uh, that okay. song, I think we did it in one take because we've been playing it for years. But the rest of them, yeah, I mean, we, we did it. Uh, we did a few takes for each one and just decide which one we liked the best. We also filmed each one. So there's corresponding live music videos for each one of those songs. That's why, you know, a couple of weeks ago we released the video for Done Being Good. Mm-hmm. Um, we just released the video for I Can't Walk the Line uh, last week. And then for each one of the songs, there will be corresponding live music videos because we wanted to capture, you know, the vibe of a live show. You know, mm-hmm. so it's the, the the sound, the songs are they're exactly like we play them live. And then you get to watch, you know, basically a live performance also. So
1: that's pretty cool. Yeah. Can you kind to tell us a little bit of like the inspiration behind Done Being Good? Uh yeah. So I wrote that track for
2: this um for this specific project. Uh, so, I mean, you know, I, I definitely wanted to uh, uh, write another song that kind of fit into uh, the guidelines of. So for me, Outlaw Country, it, you know, it's so many things. I'm sure you all know. I mean, it's okay. it, there's so many definitions to what Outlaw Country is. But with that song specifically, I was trying to capture the specific rhythms And melodies of the songs that we typically think of as outlaw country songs yeah you know i I, only daddy that'll walk the line you know that's like a that rhythm is a pretty typical like outlaw country rhythm so i wrote that song because we have another one called a quick quittin which i wrote like years ago that we've never released it's going to be on the ep but it um, it, it it does so well live because it's got those outlaw rhythms that you know country fans and even not country fans they just they they love it because it's it's country but it's funky it just sounds badass you know <laughs> and uh and so I wanted to write another tune like that uh also specifically David Allen Coe he's got so not to get into uh, like the specifics of the rhythm too much but you got the half time and then you got the double time. Uh, of these out these outlaw rhythms David Allen Coe he would go back and forth between like the halftime drum beats on the verse to the double time on the chorus which kind of feels like a little more driving and so I wanted to do something similar as well so it's got like the funky halftime drum beat on the verse and then the double time on the uh on the chorus and yeah, I, I don't know. I'm kind of rambling, but it's oh, we're, talking, <laughs> we're talking rhythm here. You know what I'm saying? And so I, be, I was listening to a bunch of David Allen Coe, and I wanted to to kind of add my own take to to that stuff. And I'm a drummer, so I, I think in rhythms as well. So
0: yeah, we I and mean, we don't we don't play any instruments. We just love country music and <laughs> no, want to spotlight okay. it. Well, like cool. I think you did a great job of of capturing that outlaw sound, and I I think yeah. you're gonna kind of answer this question, but. Those outlaws, like you mentioned, Willie and Wayland, did they inspire you to then make that live, make that decision to record it live in the studio, like you were talking about, or where did that come from?
2: Yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah, because you know, when when you're talking about outlaw country, and and you know, there's also a certain energy to it, you know, and you know, I, I know y'all said y'all aren't musicians, but uh, so to describe the way you typically record a studio album, you're recording like, like I go in and I do my guitar part and I don't sing. I just play the guitar. Then I do my vocals. Then the bass player goes in, he does his bass part and it, but without me in the room, he's just got me in his ear. So it's a very sterile sort of like clinical process, which is necessary. Sometimes a lot of times, that's why that's how most people do it. But, um, some, and, but you're doing like 20 takes, So a lot of that energy, you know, that like, uh, you know, Waylon and Willie would capture in their live albums. I mean, you lose that. And so that's what that for sure. We wanted to capture, you know, like Willie and the family. I listen to that, that album, you know, that live album, like every week. And it's got such an energy to it, you know? And so, yeah, we, we definitely wanted to capture that also, you know, just logistically, you know, we're doing this all ourselves. We're independent. So we pay for our own studio time. You know, if you're having, (laughs) so if you're having to do 20 takes, you know, of each instrument and it's all separate that, that adds up, but you get us in there and we knock it out in two or three takes,
1: you know, I think the appeal to me of like the live album and just like kind of the all in one take type of recordings is just the authenticity of it. And it's like, you know, sometimes there might be a little screw up in there or just like, like a random noise in some songs I'll hear that, like when they do those live recordings and I just, honestly, I enjoy it. I I think it adds to the song. It adds to, um, just like the whole authenticity of it. And so, yeah, I love the live versions and just, you know, the, um, all in one take and all that kind of stuff. So I'm a huge fan of those ones. (laughs) Like Charlie. Um, yeah. That came out a while ago.
2: Yeah, man, I, I completely agree. And because, I mean, there's like, a, I don't know, there's a joy that's sparked when when you go to a, a, a live show, mm-hmm. you know. Uh Yeah, I, I completely agree. Some of my favorite albums are are live albums like Jason Boland, Live at Billy Bob's, the Live at Billy Bob's albums. There's some of the greatest i mean if if that if i'm like exploring an artist or going back and re-exploring an artist and they have a live at billy bob's album i'm going to listen to that first before i go to the studio album so
0: i I visited billy bob's this summer first time ever uh but i I didn't see a show we just walked around and god i would love to go see a show there sometime it's awesome
2: yeah it's a great honky song world's biggest honky song yeah yep
1: okay so um correct me if I'm wrong here, but like done being good. You recorded that at the Brody studios in South Austin. Yeah. Um, so is that somewhere you usually like to go to record or is that just like what you chose like for that specific uh, recording? No,
2: we chose that specifically for that recording. So we're a Fort Worth band. So uh, mm-hmm. I've done all my other recordings in Fort Worth or Dallas, but um, right. I, I mean, I did live in Austin. So I, for a, quite a few years so Austin was a home for me for a little bit but um we found out about Brody Studios and what they do where you know they they not only record the songs but also film it you know and and, oh. and edit it all through uh through some friends of mine uh Gus Clark and uh South Texas Tweak, which y'all y'all should look them up that, that sounds great-
0: really familiar I, I that name does. I may have seen him on Twitter, but that sounds really familiar.
2: Yeah. So, I mean, both of them, I mean, they they got great music. Gus, he does. um He, he does some like kind of swinging, you know, like old Texas swings type stuff. And uh, yeah, South Texas tweak. I mean, he's got a bunch of great honky tonk songs. Um, but he, but I saw them. They did kind of the same thing. Uh, with Brody Studios and and Austin Artist Spotlight. And so that's why I reached out to them because we wanted to do it. We wanted to do the music videos and the uh, uh, the recording on the same place. And uh, so it just worked out. But normally we record um, the last few records I've done have been at uh, uh, Cloudland Studios in Fort Worth.
1: Okay. Yeah, I remember seeing that on Spotify. Like it was like live from Cloudland Studios. I remember that now. <laughs> yeah, we did
2: like a three song thing yeah, acoustic type thing at Cloudland, yeah.
0: Okay. Uh, You mentioned growing up in Fort Worth. Do you think that was, living in Fort Worth, do you think that's really important for your music career, um, helping you out, being in a city that, I mean, really supports real authentic country music? Yeah. I
2: mean, I grew up in the suburbs, you know, Uh, but just being in Fort Worth, I mean, just there was country music just everywhere, you know. I'm not, country per se, you know, we didn't have, you know, uh, a ranch or anything, you know, so, but just being in Fort Worth and and we were kind of South Fort Worth. So, you know, that we would go out to the country and, and do all the stuff that, you know, you do in the country when you're in high school, you know, you drink beer, fishing, and you shoot birds and all that. But, you know, I grew up in the suburbs, but just being in Fort Worth and the heritage that Fort Worth has, the musical heritage. I, I was just, I was hearing country music, you know, for as long as I can remember. So,
0: and I, I imagine that's kind of everywhere in Texas. Am I wrong? Like, no. hearing country music.
2: <laughs> yeah, you're not wrong, man. That's why, you know, it's yeah. I, if you go see live music in Texas, or let, let me put it this way. If you go to a restaurant and there's live music, it's like a 90% chance that it's going to be country music.
1: Mm-hmm. You know? yeah. It's yeah, it just, it's everywhere.
0: Gosh, then, uh, we're we're from Nebraska. Yeah, you're talking
1: to two boys that grew up in the suburbs of Omaha. So I mean, <laughs> we, we,
0: and we don't we we don't have a lot of places like like Texas does to go out, like just go to a restaurant and and hear country music. I mean, there's a there's a few places, but not a lot. So that's I admire that a lot about Texas. Yeah.
2: So how do you get into country music if you're from the suburbs in Nebraska?
0: I I just I think the one was the the lyrics for us. Just I think real real authentic lyrics and something you can relate to. Um, and then also there's a bar pretty close by, um, us that, I mean, Cody Jinx started playing there when he was coming up, like oh. in the moon pies, we have oh, yeah, Ward Davis, Whitey Morgan. They used to all oh, like Charles in. Wesley Godwin. <laughs> it, it's, we, 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 we'll send it to you. I, they, they host like Randall King was there two years ago. Mm-hmm. Like they have, they bring in good acts and, i mean we we kind of got the gateway country music of listening to like pop and stuff and it's like like in high school like the pop country and it just it got old quick for us and then kind of diving down that rabbit hole and i I, we were never as passionate about country music when we were listening to the the pop country and stuff and then finding this this is like these artists need to be spotlighted so that's kind of what what drove this for us
1: yeah yeah i mean i a couple of years ago, you just like, one day like, uh, you want to just start talking about country music? I'm like, yeah. Cause we would, you know, we, would
0: <laughs> we would just sit around and share artists and talk and talk. And I was like, we just need to to record this. And just, um, I mean, it's been, it's been so
1: fun for us. Yeah. And then, I mean, we dive even deeper. Like once we started talking, just like the two of us, then we were like, okay, let's try and get some people on here. And then we start finding more and more artists. Um, I like, I had never heard of some of the people we listened to beforehand. And then he's like, I just found this guy on uh, like Twitter and he's like, you start listening to him. I'm like, oh, dang, like he's pretty good. He's like, yeah, we got an interview with him next week. I'm like, all right, I'll listen to more. <laughs> I love it. So, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's weird. Like he said growing up, like the stuff we listen to, I mean, it's just about everything you'd hear on um, like the radio out of Nashville. I mean, it was like always uh, Luke Bryan, uh, Florida Georgia line uh thomas red like those were like the main people um when we were in like middle school high school and then i think come like college we started branching out more and it's just like my senior year of high school yeah it just sounded like the same stuff over and over again and i i kind of got sick of it and i almost got out of country and into kind of more uh rock but then i started digging deeper and finding better artists that deserve the time but don't get it so yeah that's Yeah, dude. I
2: what I like about that is, you know, people hate on Nashville pop country a lot, mm-hmm. and uh, understandable. You know, a lot of the stuff that comes out is, I'll just say it's not for me. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, I I don't like you know, but I I will say there's there's work that that goes into it, and there's mm-hmm. there's skill that goes into those records. But the thing is, is like. <clears throat> You know, that's what hooked y'all and got y'all. You yeah, know, yeah, absolutely. Where you're and it's the same thing for me. I wasn't exploring country music on my own, but I was listening to the radio and I was hearing George Strait, I was hearing Clint Black, I was hearing Brad Paisley, who's one of the best guitarists in the world. Mm-hmm. But these are guys that Nashville you know, uh, promoted, put out, played on the radio. And it it got me, you know, similar to y'all, it got me tracing. Okay. Well, who does Brad Paisley listen to? Okay. Where does, what, why is George Strait, you know, talking about, uh, Bob Wills. Okay. Who's Bob Wills and tracing it all the way back, you know? So I, I, yeah, I love that. But I also, you know, I, when people say like Nashville sucks, it's like, okay, maybe, but Nashville also has been like, Putting out quality country music for a while a lot oh, yeah. of it for us but a lot of it has been really good
0: mm-hmm. and and i i don't i don't want to say like everything coming out of nashville sucks because I, I i listen to midland i listen to like riley green and, and like some of those neo-traditional guys that yeah. I, I still think it, it sounds like 90s country a little yeah. bit so that i i wouldn't i wouldn't say everything coming out of nashville is bad but there is
1: definitely like you said some that is not for me at all. Yeah. Yeah. I think the change for me that happened was, uh, we both went to, uh, college in a different city here in Nebraska, but they had a radio station there that played a lot of the older stuff that we wouldn't typically hear on the radio here in Omaha. And it's just kind of opened the door to a whole bunch of different things. And kind of like you're saying, like you start looking into, oh, they mentioned this person, I'm going to go listen to him now and different things like that. Um, but I just right. think that opened the door to just a whole bunch of new artists that we did it wow. hear growing up, and it just we took off from there. Basically, that's awesome. I love that.
0: Well, kind of back on on your music. One song I've been listening to a lot is "Ice on the Road." Um, yeah, wow, that that one's great sounding song to me. How did that one come to be? Because I know it's it's kind of Christmas themed, and I would not say I'm a yeah. I'm the, I don't like Christmas music, but I sure as hell <laughs> like this song. Sure. Yeah,
2: so I uh, love Christmas music. Oh, really? I, if, if there's an artist that I like, I will add every one of their Christmas, al- which a lot of guys have Christmas songs that you wouldn't think would ever have Christmas songs. Like, do y'all know the uh, like the comedic country singer Rodney Carrington?
0: I'm not, I'm not familiar with him. Wow.
2: Uh, well, anyways, I just added his country album to my playlist. That's what I was thinking about him. But he has like ridiculous like vulgar country songs but he also has a country album is he like
0: wheeler walker almost basically yeah okay gotcha gotcha. (laughs)
2: yeah so it'd be like if wheeler walker put out a christmas album but y'all i'm sure y'all know rob real right yeah yeah yeah. yeah. dude one of his like you know most popular songs is merry christmas from the family anyways i i've always really like enjoyed christmas music even in like a tongue-in-cheek way (laughs) but i like sad country songs that are like actually good well-written songs because uh, Christmas can be kind of sad and uh for a lot of people you know yeah, definitely and so um like I have my own sad Christmas uh playlist you know that I've that i put together and so I basically wanted to write like a sad uh Christmas song you know, and um, I wrote it a million years ago when I was in Austin and I wasn't even necessarily writing only country music back then. That's why that song has like a, a different sound. Um, and that's why the cover art, I mean, the cover art, it, you know, it's got a different look to it. So mm-hmm. I just wrote it a long time ago and I just wanted to to uh, put out a Christmas song, man.
0: <laughs> I really like that one. It, it When I was going through all your music, that one really caught me and I kept going back to it. Thank you, man.
1: Yeah. All right. You kind of brought up the cover art it, and it, it's something I always like to kind of talk about. How important is that to you when you're picking out like re- when you're saying I'm going to go release this song? How important is it to like get the right image or um, like art on that? Yeah, I, it's I mean,
2: it's one of the first things that I start thinking about whenever I start to uh, plan a project, an EP or a single or whatever. Um because uh, I mean, I, I'm I'm a little older. I'm I'm 67 years old, actually. But uh, <laughs> when I was when I was growing up, man, and I was like exploring music, you'd go and buy CDs, mm-hmm. and you'd put the CD in, you'd listen from start to finish, and then while you're listening, you're holding the CD jacket, you're yep. flipping through, you're reading the lyrics, you're looking at the songwriters you're looking at the pictures and some of these were like mini comics, like you'd open them up yeah, and it was like the like, whole thing. <laughs> yeah. It's got pictures of them on the road. It's got pictures of them like partying with girls or whatever. And it's like, and you're consuming all of it at the same time. Like I remember, I mean, I, I really like hip hop as well. So I remember like, listening to Bone Thugs and Harmony and all of their lyrics were like written backwards because the whole thing, they had this album called East 1990 eternal and the whole concept was like they died and went to hell. And so it's got like, it was wild, but I'm like listening to this and then I'm like, it's got like pentagrams and like, it was just crazy.
1: Uh
2: Yeah. So, and that's how I like consumed music when I was in my like formative years. Mm -hmm. And, so I, that's what I think of, you know, and and plus I've also like talked to my uh, like my younger cousins, like my cousin CJ and he's 21 and he says that a lot of times he'll look into a band only because they look cool. Like mm-hmm. he'll just like flipping through like Instagram or whatever and see like a cool picture of a band and be like, oh, they look cool. And then he'll just go and like explore all their music. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I think it goes hand in hand for sure.
0: Yeah. When you start putting out vinyls, I'm gonna be really excited to pick one of those up. See what what you what you put in there. I, that's my favorite part of like getting vinyls, getting like the posters or like with like the yeah. lyric sheets. I think that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, man. It,
2: and yeah, I, I completely agree. I was actually just thinking about that when I was jogging earlier because I was thinking about uh, Jesse Daniel's new uh, album that he, his live album that he has coming out. And he's got some great. Uh, y'all know Jesse Daniel?
0: Yeah, he plays yeah. at that bar we were just telling you about too. He was there of. Uh, few weeks ago or a month ago or so i'm, I'm horrible with yeah he was he was there a few weeks or a few weeks back
2: that's cool yeah but he's he's got this live album that just came out and it's got i mean i was looking at some pictures on on instagram that he was posting that's i mean the whole thing it just looks so cool the pictures great yeah great colors so i am I, I definitely like i think we're gonna do a full length and um we're gonna record it in october and release it um spring of next year and okay. i think we're gonna thing like do some vinyl maybe even do some cds just for fun and yeah do the whole thing that that'll be like our first full-length album that we've ever released so that'll be cool
0: mm-hmm. yeah um so in your uh in your career um oh gosh i just lost okay here sorry <laughs> i look at my questions i lost my spot um what are some of your favorite like hidden gems you've played at in texas and then what are some venues you hope to play at uh as you come up through your career
2: yeah, so um, like I said, I lived in Austin for for quite a few years. I lived there from two thousand and eight to like two thousand and fifteen. I moved there when I was twenty, so I had my twenty first birthday there in Austin. Right. Um, <laughs> and yeah, it was it was fun. What I remember, and uh, <laughs> I, I also played uh, I played drums in a lot of like rock and roll bands when I was there too. Okay. Guy- I had my own thing, but I was mostly doing like trio gigs, like just me and like a fiddle and mandolin or me and steel, steel guitar. I was mostly playing drums and a bunch of rock and roll bands. Um, but there's some great venues in Austin. Uh, one of them is this place called Hole in the Wall. It's literally just called Hole in the Wall and it's right on Guadalupe Street. It's right across from the University of Texas. Okay. And it, it's just a really cool divey bar. They have like rock and roll bands. They have country bands. I mean, bluegrass bands. Um, we've had some great shows there. Um, there was another another uh, place in um, in uh, uh, Austin that was called Beerland. It was like a great rock and Beerland. I mean, <laughs> yeah, it was like a great rock and roll joint uh, that we used to play to. I mostly played there with like uh, the rock and roll bands that I, that I played in. Um, in the, Fort Worth, my favorite place to play, you know, is well, there's a couple of them. Mama Tried and Irving is a great place. Um, And then in Fort Worth, like our home venue is probably this place called the post in Fort Worth. Yeah. My bass player, actually, he, uh, he tends bar there. Um, (laughs) But uh, it was like one of the first places in Fort Worth that really like gave me a chance, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, to showcase my music. And I've been playing there since I started playing seriously in Fort Worth. And they have great acts that come through. Jesse Daniel, I think, has played there uh i mean vincent O. emerson joshua oh, yeah. Ray, yeah yeah which yeah so there's some great places or great acts that have played the post there was also a place called uh fred's um texas cafe in fort worth and it was on west 7th um that the, they've since moved but the original one on west 7th was a great place to play i've seen vincent neal play there i've seen joshua uh, ray play there um When I released my four song EP, Holy Spirits, I did the EP release at Fred's, the original Fred's Texas Cafe. Um, That was was a great place. Uh, And then places I'd like to play, I'd really like to play the Kessler Theater in Dallas. Um, I've only been there one time and I just like happened to be in Dallas. Uh, I was with someone, we were celebrating a birthday and we were looking for something to do. And we ran into Joshua Ray at the hotel where we were staying. And he was like, oh, I'm actually playing at the Kessler. And I had never really heard of it. And so we just went. And it was such a beautiful venue. I mean, Josh put on an amazing show, of course. Um, and uh, yeah, it's, it's a great place. I would love to play the Kessler. We, we
0: saw Joshua Ray Walker open up for Charlie Crockett. And he yeah. came out. And it was kind of a listening room. But like we're talking because he was the opener, and as he's getting out there and his first couple notes, the whole room
1: just shut up and Mm -hmm.
0: just was paying attention. He can just stop a room. He's
1: yeah. It was just him and his acoustic guitar out there, and it was was amazing. Like Ben, I mean, the whole place just went quiet. It was like, damn, he can hit. Like he hit those notes, and it was awesome. Yeah, he's great. Have you
0: ever been to? uh, I think you pronounce is it called Green Hall?
2: Yeah. Yeah. I've never been there, but, um, yeah, actually I'd love to play there too. A lot of my favorite or some of my, we were talking about live albums. Pat Green has a live at Green Hall. um, Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, I was just listening to, uh, Jack Ingram live at Green Hall. Um, and actually my buddy South Texas Tweak. he, I think he just opened for Vince and Neil Emerson at Green Hall like a few weeks ago or something, but yeah, that's like a historic place everybody i mean all the biggest names in like texas country that they, they go through there so yeah
0: it looks it looks like a really really cool place and then i i watched a documentary i think the bar, i think it's in austin the bar is is called broken spoke Have oh yeah they, yeah like that was on george streets like one of his latest uh albums was uh the broken spoke bar and it looks it looks like such like a I don't know, like out of a movie. It just looks like such yeah. a cool cowboy bar. It's a dance hall, man. I, I think they
2: do like, they do two-step lessons like once a week. We were at um, uh, the Saxon Pub in Austin just a few weeks ago. And it's like right down the street from Broken Spoke. But yeah, they do like uh, two-step lessons. It's I mean, yeah, it's a cowboy bar for
0: sure. They got, they got a bunch of cool bars in Texas. I'm jealous of you guys down there. Oh, man, come down. Yeah. I, I, I was, I was there last summer. I had a blast in Fort Worth. I mean, I need to explore some more Texas. It was, it was awesome. Yeah. Man. yeah. Um, so we kind of talked about this, uh, seeing you on TikTok, a lot of your like funny, uh, like pop going after pop country a little bit. And uh, just, I know I saw one of yours, I think maybe last night it was like, I just poured my heart and soul out into the room of like people just eating dinner. And, uh, how do you think, I think it's awesome. Like you kind of have artists now have a way to, to like post funny stuff, but then also yeah. have people then know you're an artist and dive into your music. Since you've gotten on TikTok and starting doing those, have you seen your, your uh, streams go up a lot or how has that impacted your music?
2: Dude, I owe TikTok so much. It's crazy. <laughs> it's so crazy. Like I was so apprehensive to get on there. You know, because I, I, I don't know, I thought it was silly or whatever. And then, you know, I had some people tell me, well, just start posting just something and see what happens. Mm-hmm. And my numbers were more than quadrupled. Like every time I get, like every time I make one of these silly videos that literally takes me like five seconds to think of, like I'll <laughs> open TikTok and I don't even know what I'm going to do yet. And I'll just take a little video and it just it's no time that goes into them and all of a sudden they have like thousands of views and then I look at my Spotify and it's like I have 5,000 more streams in the last seven days it's crazy um so yes I mean my numbers have skyrocketed since TikTok
1: I think I there's a lot of like back and forth about like whether it's good or not for the music um for me I it's how I found a lot of artists recently um I mean like that's how we found Wyatt Floors uh it's how we also kind of came across you in some form I mean I heard uh I can't walk the L- line a while ago and then I started seeing your videos more and more on um TikTok. and I was like all right I gotta listen to even more of him now yeah. and, and it's just It For me personally, and I know Ben too, we're definitely on that, like, music side of TikTok to where it's showing us all these new artists. And I just, I'm grateful for it for that. I mean, I know there's other reasons people aren't a fan of it, but hey, if it keeps finding me new music, I'm good with it. Well, and
0: I also think that it's taking these artists, like... like Wyatt Flores or or Tyler Childers has had some viral sounds and getting them to a whole different crowd that would never sit yeah. down and listen to Tyler Childers. And yeah, I think that that's doing a great thing. And I, I'm starting to see that now it's like a country, I, I felt like when I was maybe in high school and stuff, it was like country wasn't cool. And I feel like that's kind of kind of going away now. People, know that oh you listen to country do you I, more more times than not now i hear like oh do you listen to zach bryan or this or that i don't get the like so when i was in high school i i was going to see luke combs with my girlfriend and i was i wanted to make sure that our tickets were good and i called StubHub. And they're like yeah your tickets are good she goes what who's luke combs i go oh it's a country artist and the lady on the phone goes oh do you listen to billy ray cyrus then and i was like no god no <laughs> So I think it's really shifting people like our understanding what kind of music's out there.
2: Totally. I mean, it used to be when I was growing up, the thing that everybody said was like, I listen to everything but country.
0: Yeah, I hate that because they they don't know. They don't know that there's good stuff out there.
1: Yeah, I (laughs) it's kind of funny. I teach uh, high school math in a public school here in Omaha, and uh, I will play music for my kids and they're like. They're all like, I'll listen to anything but country. I was like, but not this country. Like th- this is sure. good stuff. And yeah. I'll only play the best for them, but they they fight me on it. But I was like, I- I'm gonna I'm gonna show you some people. I'm gonna educate yeah. you a little bit. That's my job. <laughs> That's great. I, I love it.
0: You, I think you you you'll agree with me on this. Like you said you listened to hip hop and country, and like I think those old outlaw dudes were every bit as bad as like the rappers today, like. Like Johnny Cash and Waylon, they were some bad dudes. So, I
2: yeah, mean, some of them. I mean Johnny Paycheck, mm-hmm. David Allen Co. I mean they they were. I mean th- those were bad. I mean <laughs> those were true outlaws. You know <laughs> they were outside the law. Mm-hmm. Um, you know Waylon and Waylon has a song. You know I I think this outlaw bid has done got out of hand. Yeah. And, you know Waylon and and Willie and Merle and you know even Johnny Cash to a certain extent. There there was a uh they played up the outlaw. I mean, it it was a sort of persona. It was also a genre of music that developed along with the persona, but of being outside the law, you know, whatever. And yeah, they partied and everything, but some of those dudes, like, I mean, even George Jones, which I was was thinking of, and I I wouldn't necessarily call him like an outlaw as far as the genre goes, you know, his music never really fit the genre of outlaw, you know, Mm -hmm. rhythmically, melodically. He was more, you know, Classic country. But I mean, you want to talk about being outside the law. I mean, he's rolling around the country with like, you know, ounces of cocaine and drinking and driving, (laughs) being wild, you know, and David Allen Coe. I mean, that man is is certifiably insane johnny paycheck was an actual felon i mean yeah some of those dudes were wild man
0: i think my favorite story of all time in country music is just w- when i found out that M- merle was i think he i believe it was san quentin he was in there when johnny cash came and played and he was he was one of the okay. prisoners like that what yeah. are the odds of that like him coming out and then becoming country music star he's like, got
1: some great stories to it
0: yeah man it's
2: crazy
1: um okay so kind of back on the whole fort worth side of things um so i we there's so many artists the great artists that have come from fort worth and kind of like um setting their roots there like i mean one person that kind of with the whole tiktok thing i like colt co wetzel and how he's uh got his own bar there now uh it's what the Mm -hmm. co's riot room yeah Riot room um like, do you see kind of Fort Worth becoming like being like set in stone as kind of the place for independent country music, kind of how Nashville's more like your radio country side of things where it's like, if you kind of, you're looking for like the radio side, you're going to Nashville, but if you want to do it your way, going to Fort Worth. Uh,
2: I, I mean, I, I think that Fort Worth has already established itself as like having a legacy of great artists. I mean, Leon Bridges, Vincent New no Emerson, Joshua Way, Ray Walker, Towns Van Zandt—I mean, you, you can take it. You can take it really far back. Um, as far as like the infrastructure, you know, there's some great studios in Fort Worth. Cloudland, Joe Taki at Cloudland is amazing. Um, Smith Music—they, you know—they do the live at Billy Bob's albums. They're based out of Fort Worth. There's some great venues. Um, So uh, I personally, I haven't seen too many people coming to Fort Worth to try and make it independently. I've more seen Fort Worth like spawn artists out of the, the city itself. So it'd be really cool if people started coming in because, you know, if artists start coming to Fort Worth, then. You know everything just grows. The infrastructure just grows. The venues, there's more venues. There's more studios. There's more people paying for studio time. So there's better equipment at the studios. You know, um, so yeah, that that would be great. I think Fort Worth is already a great place uh, to make it. Um, I haven't necessarily seen too many people going there, but it's already. I mean, if you go to Fort Worth if you just pick a venue on a random Friday or Saturday night, there's a good chance that you're going to see some, some great music. Um, you know, there, there's, I mean, there's great guys there. Tommy Luke, he's, he's a great artist that plays all around Fort Worth. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, we're there, um, trying to think of some other acts that that are in Fort Worth, uh, that, that play regularly. Yeah. Tommy Luke, he, he's a great one off the top of my head. Justin Tipton, Dallas has a lot of, uh, really great artists too. Mm -hmm. Um, you know uh, i dallas and fort worth are very different you know being from fort worth is very different from being from dallas but there is there is some crossover you know ottoman turks and justin tipton they're great acts out of dallas so and if you play in fort worth you're going to play in dallas and if you play in dallas you, you're probably going to play in fort worth too so
0: yeah co's bar just gives me like it makes me excited because I, I i used to be way down the line but it'd be so cool to see like almost like what nashville's built up like if you had other artists putting their bars in there if you had like cody jinx bar or like a turnpike bar it would, be, it would be super cool and that's yeah that's what's got me really excited see, seeing stuff like that and i yeah. I, I that's what we we're kind of asking about is of like that that would, i but yeah you kind of answered it that they're more pushing artists out yeah um, and
2: pushing artists out and then, and then coming back. I mean, you know, all these guys that have, have kind of made it big out of Fort Worth, they always come through. And, you know, there's guys in, in Austin and Houston that reach out to me all the time about like, okay, wh- where's the spots to play in Fort Worth. So Fort Worth is definitely on the map, you mm-hmm. know, as far as like where to play um, for sure. As far as like uh, artists moving to Fort Worth to establish themselves there, I haven't seen that too much, but that would be great, man. I mean, it. it yeah, it'd, it'd be great for the city for sure, and it'd be great for the the um, the studios and the venues that are there in Fort Worth. So,
0: yeah, uh, a little bit about like playing at different different venues and things like that. How much do you think it's added to your music and your sound and writing of playing at these smaller venues and coming up the hardworking, gritty way rather than like some acts who just get formulated by like a label? You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, it's
2: it's uh it's definitely honed our like our act you know because it, it's a show that that we're putting on for mm-hmm. you know um and so it's definitely like it's caused us to like have to be able to um entertain you know because because we're, we're we're artists we're entertainers you know so no matter if there's three people there you know we're going to put on a good show and that takes discipline. Sometimes it's easy to just kind of like dismiss the three people who are there. Um, so it's developed discipline in us for sure. That I'm sure, like you know, that that uh, carries over into the studio and into you know uh, songwriting and and playing the instruments that we play. But also like developing a sound. I mean, like I said before, I wrote "Done Being Good" specifically because I wanted to um, capture. I wanted to write another song that that hits you know, in a live setting. Um, so the, the feedback that you get in, a, in at a live show at like a, a dive bar where the people don't know who you are, and they just happen to come in, you know, the feedback that you get and seeing what people react to, it's, it's immediate and it's immeasurable because, you know, they don't know who you are. So you have to win them over. Sort of like what you were talking about, Joshua Ray, when, you know, he was at that show, everybody was talking, he won them over with you know, what he was doing, the way he was singing, the words he was singing, the way he was playing his guitar. And so you see what wins people over and then you're able to write accordingly. You know, that's what I did with done being good. So,
1: um, so you kind of mentioned this like earlier, uh, how some of your songs, uh, I kind of blanking on the name, like, uh, like was it quit quitting or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how you haven't, like you've never recorded that, but like you have played it live a bunch of times. Mm-hmm. Um, and you've kind of just talked about like getting the feedback from your audience and everything. So yeah. how important is it to play those songs you haven't released yet to get their feedback? Like, is that a huge thing that you do quite often, or is it just like you sprinkle it in every once in a while? Uh no, I mean, anytime I write a song, I'm going
2: to uh like workshop it, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, so uh, I mean, depending on what kind of song it is, you know, I, I do quite a bit of like acoustic duo shows and, and mm-hmm. stuff. So some songs that I write, I have those types of shows in mind. And so, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll pull them out sometimes even when they're not finished necessarily and just see how they go and see how people react. Um, and there's been songs that like, I've not necessarily scrapped, but put, put somewhere else, mm-hmm. you know, at least for the time being, because they just, I wasn't getting too much fulfillment out of playing them. And it didn't really seem like people were connecting with them too much. And so I've set them aside for now. Uh, So yeah, it's, it's super important and it's part of the process for sure.
0: Do you ever, do you ever, when you're doing that, do you ever have a song that's like, where you're kind of stubborn about it where it's like, maybe you love it and you like, this is your song and, even if yeah. it doesn't connect, you're like, I'm, I'm playing this. Like, this is, I'm not yeah. this one.
2: Yes. I i have, I have a few of those, a few of those that, uh, and what's cool is some of those have ended up taking on like a sort of second life, um, with like new musicians, uh, a song called the highway. There's a song that I have called the highway that I wrote when I was 19. So that was like 20 years ago. <laughs> not really, but, uh, <laughs> Yeah, but it, it's kind of like, I mean, it's it's just a little picking song. Um, it's not too flashy. Uh, it, it just did okay, whatever. You know, it, it never really got too much in a live setting. But with this new band that, that I've had for about a year and a half now, um, we started playing it and it just, it, it developed into a whole new song. I mean, the same lyrics, the same chords, but just a whole new life. Um, the drummer, you know, my drummer, Austin, he brought some really cool rhythms that I didn't hear, um, before, um, electric guitar brought some really cool riffs and now it's a hit and it's going to be on the EP. Um, if I would have, you know, scrapped it or set it aside because it didn't do too well, you know, in Austin, when I was playing it right after I wrote it, you know, it wouldn't it wouldn't have the life that it had now. So yeah, I definitely have those songs and there's a few that I don't know if they're ever going <laughs> to turn into anything, but they're important to me. And uh, yeah, I enjoy playing them.
0: I mean, I think you're always going to have deep cuts, but I mean, I, I think if it's strong writing, like real country fans are always going to seek those out and find them. Like I would say colonize one of our all time favorite songs is head case by Cody jinx. And not a yeah. lot of people know that song and it's a yeah. cut off of lifers. And I, that is one of our all-time favorite songs. So I think yeah. if, if you feel like it's strong and things like that, I think it, it will eventually find the right audience no matter what, especially if it's, if it's written well. I
2: agree, man. And some of those songs I'm holding out for, for that exact thing, you know, because you know, with success, you have more opportunities, you have more money. So that's why we're going to be able to hopefully record the full length in, in October and when we're deciding what songs to put on that full length album, you know, we're not going to only put the flashy ones. We're going to put some songs that, you know, we know are for guys like y'all, you know,
1: we
0: appreciate <laughs> so, it. Yeah. yeah. I, I guess w- we have one more question yeah. for you. Like, and we we appreciate your time. This has been a yeah. great podcast so far, but um, kind of wanting to know like where you're getting your inspiration from kind of where you're getting your sound from. Um, are there guys like, who are you listening to, like artists n- nowadays, not like the outlaws? Who are some guys that are really inspiring you and um, like making your sound what it is now? Yeah. Uh, uh,
2: I mean, Jesse Daniels, great. You know, we listen to him a lot. Uh, Mike and the Moon Pies. I mean, yes. they're, Yeah, I've been listening to them since, I, I don't know. I feel like we might have played. I know I've seen them at Hole in the Wall, that venue that I was telling you. Okay. I feel like it's possible that like I opened for them at one point, but I remember like seeing them around Austin when I was there, like in my early twenties.
0: Well, Um, that, that broken spoke documentary I watched they're they're in it. They get interviewed in it. So I'm, I'm sure you probably did.
2: Yeah. I know. I I remember seeing them around, but we, I mean, they've got a really great sound and it's not, and what I like about, you know uh, you know, Jesse, Mike and the moon pies, Vincent Neil Emerson you know even like Leon Bridges with what he's doing um at South Texas Tweet Gus Clark Tommy Luke you know these guys that you know are are you know their buddies um that we when we we love their music i love their music is it's like it's not derivative you know they're doing honky tonk and and there's you can hear the the inspiration from you know the the older stuff but it's not they're not Sometimes you hear, I don't know, I don't want to be too critical, but I'll speak on my own writing. Sometimes there's been songs that I've written where like I'm inspired by the 90s country or whatever. And I'm like, OK, I want to write a song like that. And it comes out sounding kind of like a cover song, but not an exact cover song. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yes. Like there's not enough of my own story in the song. You know, and that's what I like about Mike and the Moon Pies and Jesse and and Vince and Neil and Josh and and those guys is you can you can hear the inspiration, but it's also really original, you know. And that's what I appreciate uh, about, you know, specifically country music, because, you know, like we've talked about country music fans like us, we love the old stuff, Mm -hmm. you know, but I also think it's important to add your own story to it you know what i'm saying and and adri- and to be original you know and yeah, what and what you're playing and what you're writing and and the lyrics and and all that i'm not going to write a song about ranching and and catfish, fish you know and all that stuff because i i mean it's it's not me that's not who that you know what i'm saying i'm not going to write a song about you know uh farming corn or whatever but i'm gonna you know what i'm saying because it's not authentic mm-hmm. in country music and also want authenticity, like we talked about before. You know, so it's it's taking that stuff, but adding your own story to it. You know, that's what I love about those guys is they do that really well. The Texas Gentlemen, Mike and the Moon Pies, you know, Jesse and all those guys that you can hear the inspiration, but it's original, really original.
0: Yeah. And I, I think we can definitely hear that in your music. I mean, we've we've been, just the little time that we we found, you listen to your music, we've we've really enjoyed it and We're excited to, April 7th, you said, uh, Done Being being Good. good. And then when is that EP dropping? The EP
2: comes out June 23rd. So Done Being Good comes out April 7th. And uh, the pre-save, it it, uh, becomes available for the EP, Live at Tomahawk. So, uh, yeah, so you'll be able to pre-save the EP. um, You'll be able to get that single, Done Being Good. And then we'll have another single come out um, about a month later, so.
1: Awesome.
0: Yeah, we'll make sure to promote it and put it out thank for everyone that follows us. So, thank hey, you. Yeah, we really pr- appreciate the time, man. Thank you so much. Oh, yeah.
2: no, this was great. Yeah, it was great chatting with y'all.
0: Yeah, what we'll have to have you back on when that EP drops. Please. I'd love to. All right. Well, thank you, Corey. We appreciate it. All right. Okay. See ya.